0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and joining me today is Libby Copeland, an award-winning journalist who has written for The Washington Post, The New York Magazine, The New York Times, The Atlantic, and many other publications. Libby Copeland will discuss her new book, The Lost Family. How DNA testing is upending who we are. So let me give a warm welcome to Libby Copeland to the show.
0: Hi, Libby. Hi there, Bernice. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, you have touched on a subject that I can say many of the genealogists who are listening to this call today will say we live DNA. We're in it every day, making all Absolutely. these new discoveries. Absolutely. So tell us, yes, why did you decide to write this book? Yeah, so
0: I um, I write a lot in this space of where science and culture and human behavior intersect. Um, And I I really enjoy writing about science. Um, And a few years ago, I wrote a story for the Washington Post about a woman named Alice Collins Playbuke who had done DNA testing uh, sort of in the early adopter phase um, and had had a very um, surprising result and and one that took her many years to unravel. Um, And when I wrote that um, piece, It got a really big reaction and the big reaction came to me to my inbox by way of stories from readers telling me about their DNA testing stories and especially about things that had really um, surprised them, had really changed their perspective, had really um, made them rethink their place in the world, their place in their own family, their religion, their race, all sorts of things. And I was, I was reading these emails just thinking, gosh, this is an incredible sea change that's happening across the culture and in individual people's lives. And I wanted to write about it as a phenomenon, right, like a, a social phenomenon, um, even a psychological phenomenon, um, and just something that um, really needs to be looked at in a serious way. So that's, that's how I came to write the book.
1: Right. And, and it's a phenomenon that perhaps a lot of people didn't even realize, Uh, what they were getting into when they took their DNA.
0: Right, exactly. So let's talk about,
1: you know, you you mentioned the three categories of people you discovered that take in-home DNA tests. So describe to us those three categories and why you came up with those three categories.
0: Sure, so as I was talking to people, I noticed that they came into this process with different levels of understanding of what could happen on the other side and different levels of genealogical expertise and um, different questions or lack of questions. And so I kind of wound up grouping them into three kinds of categories and I thought of them all universally as seekers. So they're all of them to one extent or another kind of seeking knowledge about themselves and about their families and their family histories. So the first sort of um, big group of people are serious genealogists who have been doing this research for many, many decades, um, since well before DNA testing came on the scene. You know, they might have um, done some of the earliest Y-DNA and MT-DNA tests, um, and they're sort of very familiar with... um, the way that um, paper records, e- even back when you only had those, can reveal discrepancies and, um, you know, NPEs, non-paternity events, or not-parent-expected events. Um, and so that was sort of one bucket of people um, that I was really interested in how, the, what they could teach us and how they were experiencing this. Um, Another group of people are those who kind of go into DNA testing because they have a question. Um, those are people who, for instance, have not known the identity of their genetic father. So they, they go into DNA testing to find out and they're hoping that they can piece it together. Um, adoptees, obviously, have been using DNA testing to get around state laws that restrict their access to their birth, their birth certificates for a very, very long time and have, you know, they and the search angels who help them have pioneered many of the techniques that. Um, you know, went on to help solve the Golden State Killer, for instance. Um, and then the third category of people, and this was a, a category I was especially interested in because I think a lot of Americans fall into this, they have, like, very little experience with DNA testing, and they don't really have any expectation that they're going to find something surprising. They get the gift um, They get like a test as a gift for for the holidays maybe, or they get it out of a sense of curiosity sort of on a lark. They're incredibly cheap. They buy one during a sale. It's only 59 bucks, (laughs) right? And um, that that group of people was very interesting to me because um, they're the people for whom a really profound surprise can be the most. Um, sort of shocking and upending because they they didn't even know they were asking that question. They thought of this as something sort of fun. They might not have even known that they would get lists of DNA relatives. Um, And and, and then everything kind of unfolds from there, and they're grappling with something very, very serious and profound um, without ever having known that this would be the result of, you know, buying this test.
1: You are so right. In fact, some people may have just taken the test, just looking for ancestry, uh, a, an opportunity to make a YouTube video, and then the right. discovery that wait a minute, there are relatives here. Oh my goodness! What what do I do with this now? You're yeah. right. It's 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 a surprise. It's upending who we are. Well, right. you know, I as I looked through your book and, and read it. I saw so many familiar names in the genealogy and genetics genealogy community. C. C. Moore, Blaine, Bettinger, T.L. Dixon, Judy Russell, Roberta Estes, Bennett I mean, you can go on and on and on. You really did some investigation here. So yeah. tell us, give us an idea of some of the stories that left an impression on you that you felt compelled to see. Tell those stories, or retell those stories in the lost family
0: yeah, so you know one of the stories that I tell is the story of Roberta Astis. I know you you know that story as well. Um, she's written about it on her yeah. blog, um, and I found this inc- story incredibly moving because it was in adulthood that she used um, some you know some genealogical research and um, a whole lot of additional research through private investigator to find her half-brother um so her father basically had two families um at the same time they did not know about each other and when this was discovered it led um to the dissolution of her parents marriage um and she understood that there was another little boy out there who had also been fathered by her father and she never knew him and so she searched for him in adulthood and they forged she found him and she forged an incredible relationship with him um and they became very close and um Towards the end of his life, he was not very old, but he, was, he did get sick, and he was um, dying. And towards the end, um, she did pursue um, various kinds of testing, Y-DNA testing, autosomal DNA testing, and ultimately discovered that, in fact, they were not genetically related. And the takeaway that she had from this experience, which, by the way, she never revealed to him because she could tell he didn't want to know, was that he was still very much her brother. Um, and so to me, her story, which, I mean, every time I, I've heard her tell it or reread my notes from our conversations would almost always make me tear up. <laughs> um, her story is you know, instructive in the way that we re- regard family, that it, it, it is, yes, sometimes it's very much about biology and sometimes it's really about intention and love and experience, and that's how, that's how we define a brother. Um, the other story that I tell, I mean, I tell a number of stories in the book, um, you know, maybe 15 of them or 30, uh, depending on the length, um, but the main narrative of the book is the story of Alice Collins' playbook, which is actually a story that CeCe Moore told me about years ago, and I wrote about in the Washington Post and then decided to go back because I really wanted to do it more fully, and I wanted to go back 100 years to the beginnings of her, Alice's genetic mystery. Um, Alice's story came to light when she tested in 2012, which was right when Ancestry had unveiled its first test. It was really early days. And instead of being all Irish, she learned she was half Ashkenazi Jewish and this didn't make any sense. Um, And over the next two and a half years, she had to go through a series of um, theories that she would test out and then, and then dismiss when the facts didn't bear it out. So she went through the theory that she you – no, know, her father wasn't genetically related to her. She went through the theory that she was adopted. That was not the case. Neither of those were the case. Um, she, she explored the possibility that perhaps her supposedly Irish ancestors had hidden their um, Judaism or had had their Jewish ancestry hidden even from themselves. Um, and as she peeled back the layers, um, she finally was able to, to figure out the truth. It took a very long time, and it wasn't an explanation that is your everyday typical explanation. It was a very unusual and surprising resolution to her story. Um, what I love about Alice's story is that she's really thought very deeply about broadening her world and understanding her own ancestry on both sides and going back many, many years. She's a serious genealogist. Um, she's also thought deeply about what this means to her in terms of her identity. Um, and so she's an incredible person and a wonderful vehicle for me as a writer to kind of explore all the things, the DNA testing, all the questions
1: um, that it can present us with. What a wonderful story, though. So we only have a few minutes left. So why don't you tell individuals why they should purchase your book? The lost family.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us are um, have tested. There's obviously a, a, a great number of us, um, about 35 million, and I'm in that group. I've tested at three different companies, um, and so um, and so many of us have tested and have had experiences like this. Um, from what I can tell, um, about a million Americans have to this point discovered that they either are not genetically related to their father or that they have a sibling or half-sibling that they didn't know about. And that number is only going to get bigger. And I think we need to offer support and resources for people, and we need to normalize the conversation uh, around that. And so my book is really, in, in part, an effort to normalize this conversation, to say, like, you're not alone. This happens to many people. And there should be and hopefully will be eventually more support for people going through these circumstances. I think the other reason that this matters, this issue really matters, is that people and people who have not tested are really implicated by the decisions of people who have. So if there's a genetic secret in your family, even if you never choose to test, you're going to find out anyway because your aunt tests, your sister tests, um, a parent tests, even like a third cousin tests, right? And if there's... um, information about you and how you came into the world, or information about a cousin that maybe you didn't know existed or a sibling that you didn't know existed, that information is going to find its way to you, um, whether or not you ever spit into a tube. And so this is something, it's basically a social issue that we all need to be grappling with and thinking about how are we going to handle those um, situations when they come up
1: for ourselves and for other people in our families. And so the reality is that there is an emotional side to DNA. Oh, it's yes. not just giving a sample and that's it. There's a lot no, more to it. It sure is. Yeah, absolutely. And and the other piece is finding your family in
0: incredible ways. Like, you know, it's it's it, it's access to your past. Um, we ourselves have been able to access our past in in terms of our ancestry, and it's been deeply meaningful. So it's not all just surprises and, oh, no, what do I do now? It's also, wow, I am able to – you know, go where the records can't take me. I can, I can go back 200 years. I can understand how this cousin is related to me, and that tells me something about my past. So it's all those experiences. It's very nuanced, and it's, and it's often very beautiful.
1: It certainly is. Well, Libby, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Remember, everyone, The Lost Family with Libby Copeland. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Bernice. Thank you so much.